great Odin's raven. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is, uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode 25. My name is Adam. Today I'm joined, as always, by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I'm well. Doing well. Today we're going to be talking about The Dark Knight Rises, giving our thoughts on it. Uh, We also have some Amazon Blu-ray deals to highlight. We're going to be going over our weekly predictions. And as always, at first, we're going to be talking about some of what we watched this week. Um, Let me get started today by uh, quickly recognizing the tragedy in Colorado. And rather than discussing it, I thought it would be more pertinent to simply read Christopher Nolan's statement, because I think his thoughts mimic our own here at Film Pulse. And I think that his words are more eloquent than anything we could come up with. So let me just start off by reading Christopher Nolan's statement regarding the tragedy in Colorado. I would like to express our profound sorrow at the senseless tragedy that has befallen the entire Aurora community. I would not presume to know anything about the victims of the shooting, but that they were there last night to watch a movie. I believe movies are are one of the great American art forms, and the shared experience of watching a story unfold on screen is an important and joyful pastime. The movie theater is my home, and the idea that someone would violate that innocent and hopeful place in such an unbearably savage way is devastating to me. Nothing any of us can say could ever adequately express our feelings for the innocent victims of this appalling crime, but our thoughts are with them and their families. Why don't we get started by you telling us what you watched this week, Kevin? Oh, what I watched? Uh, First one is I'm Gonna Explode, which is a Mexican movie by... Gerardo Naranjo, who is the director of Miss Bala, which I've talked about uh, a couple other times, um, which Miss Bala is a great movie. So I went back and watched uh, his first one, which is, like I said, I'm going to explode, which is about two teenagers who the one is Ramon and Maru. And Ramon gets himself a gun and steals a car and they go on the run and they end up hiding out on top of his dad's house in a tent and they just sort of wait. And uh, it's very, if you're a fan of French New Wave, which I know Adam is a huge fan. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, this is essentially French New Wave, uh, but Mexican. It's 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 a lot like uh, a lot of Godard films like Breathless or The Pair of Foo and those uh, sort of like Moonrise Kingdom in that vein, how that movie was French New Wave in a sense. But this one's definitely darker. Yeah, I, I, when you added this on Letterboxd, I, I did look into it. It looks pretty good. Yes, it is good. Uh, really good performance by Maria Deschamps. Who plays Maru? Um, had thoroughly enjoyable. It was good cinematography. Um, this Naharajo, I'm definitely going to be like any movie that he comes out with now. I'm definitely going to check it out because I'm like I said before, Miss Bala's was awesome, and this one was just as good, especially for a first feature. Cool. So definitely checking out his films in the future. 
What else you got? Uh, I got to watch Bullhead. Oh. Yeah. It yeah, was. What did you think of that? It was awesome. It was what, a- awesome. <laughs> I was what, just. What did you think of the cow scene? The cow scene. The what? You mean the one at the end? Yeah. Yeah, that was wonderful. But, Beautiful lighting. The lighting was amazing. Pretty much the lighting in the entire movie was amazing. A lot of great cinematography too. And this is Mike, or I'm gonna guess Michelle Roscomp. This is his first film, right? I think we discussed yes. this before. Yeah, we talked about it before when I saw it. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely, like I said with the last one, I'm gonna definitely be checking out all of his movies, and I'm definitely more excited because the performance by uh, Matthias Schoenertz was spectacular, and I'm really excited for Rust and Bone now. Because he plays the other main character alongside uh, Marion Cotillard. No, I thought his performance was okay. I didn't think it was... I wouldn't I, call it spectacular, but... I thought it was very good. I mean, I, mean, I thought it was good. Don't I get thought, me wrong. But he, he didn't feel like an actor to me. He felt like it was, it was a non-actor. Mm. But then again... I don't know. I thought he just... I thought that he portrayed his type of unique suffering right, right. that I don't yes. think anyone else could I, I mean I don't know how many people in the world could actually like understand what you would go through in that situation yeah and, and that's uh, exactly what I was gonna say he did play a unique type of character so maybe that's just how that character but I, I thought that he, it the the portrayal of his suffering and what he's going through was very subtle it wasn't heavy-handed, like they didn't just bang it over your head over and over of what oh, this right. guy was missing out on life and stuff. Well, for a yeah, plus for a good portion of the movie, you didn't really know. Yeah, and you didn't know what now happened. Yeah, now I know when we originally talked about this, and you said about a scene. I looked away during that scene, and I just had this look on my face, like, "Oh my god!" There was yeah, a there was a lot more depth than what I originally thought. I thought it was just a guy that took steroids. <laughs> That's pretty much what I thought, too. That's and what I... I mean, even during the movie. Even yeah. during the movie, I was like, eh, you know, this this guy's whatever. I'm not, I'm not that into this character. But then, <laughs> as it unfolded, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, you find out that he has to take them. It's yeah. not like he's addicted to them or anything. He has to take them. Yeah. And... Bad things happen, but it was it was really good. I was Bullhead. definitely really into that movie. Definitely check out Bullhead. Check it out, Draft House Films. Yeah, that was oh, that was great. Anything I thoroughly else? enjoyed that one. Um, I did watch the Mezrin, the first part of the Mezrin movie. Uh, did you hear about this at all or seen it? That's the uh, is that the Vincent. Um Vincent Cassell movie? Yeah, Vincent Cassell movie. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I, he is, that like a, is that a remake? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I mean, it's based on a true story. Or maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah, a true story. It's, it's based on a real-life gangster, Jacques Mesrin, uh, from France. And I watched part one. I haven't watched part two yet, but part one's Killer Instinct. And, I mean, it's a pretty good movie. I mean, it's it's really good uh, gangster flick. But what makes it even better is that it's all true. And yeah. it's just insane what this guy does. Yeah, he, I, read a, 
yeah, I've read a lot of comments on this saying like it's completely unbelievable that yeah. this stuff actually happened. He he broke out of every single prison he's ever been in. Let's start off with that. And the first prison that he breaks out, he doesn't just break out and just go on his business. No, he gets a ton of artillery and goes back to the prison and tries to break everyone out. And has like yeah. a huge shootout. It's complete insanity. This guy was real. <laughs> and Gerard Depardieu's in it. Yes. Yeah, he's the he plays the guy like the underground uh, gangster that sort of gets him into it. Yeah, I saw trailers for this. I, I was int- this is one that just kind of slipped through the cracks. I remember seeing trailers for it like years ago. Same here. I was like, I would- oh, that looks awesome. And then like I just didn't hear anything about it. And then just same here. Yeah. But it is it is play instant. Both of them are play instant on Netflix. So that's why I was like, you know what? It's about time I watch these damn movies. So I'm going to have to try and watch the second one at some point, hopefully by next weekend. There was another movie called Mezrin about the same guy, but I don't know if it's uh, related. I was pretty sure I saw another Mezrin, like an older one. This one came out in the 80s. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I'm surprised that I've never heard about this guy. Or there hasn't been more movies made about him. My God. <laughs> Uh, you got any others? Uh, Dark Knight, but we're gonna... We'll come back to that. Yeah, we will. The first movie I saw this week was called The Cake Eaters from 2007. This is starring Kristen Stewart, who we all love on the show. K-Stew. 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 Let me tell you, I thought... I, I never thought much of her acting. And... I, was, I would... I, I have to ask... Why did you watch the cake eaters? Okay, so the reason that I picked the cake eaters, I'm I'm in Pennsylvania now, as you know, and I went over to Ryan's and we actually rented this movie. It turns out that this movie is actually uh, the central character, Kristen Stewart. She has a disease called Frederick's ataxia, which is a neurological disease, and it also just happens to be the disease that Ryan's afflicted with. And this is such a rare illness that when I found out about this movie, I was like, oh my God, I we have to watch this. Yeah, that's... I mean, this is has like, there Has there ever been a movie done about Frederick's ataxia? Not that I'm... I don't, people don't even know. Yeah, I know. I mean, most of the people that I tell that when I say like he has Frederick's ataxia, no one... They're just like, what? Yeah, and I mean, this This is a disease. If you've listened to the show before, you'll you'll probably think that Ryan is is drunk with the way he slurs his speech, but it's actually because he has a neurological disease. And um, I actually highly recommend checking this movie out because it is a very accurate portrayal of how the disease affects you. And so is it... Who actually has it in the movie? Like, who has the Frederick's Ataxia in the movie? Kristen Stewart. Okay. Yeah, Kristen Stewart has it in the movie. And she is the main character, although there are several um, subplots that are happening. It's, I want to say, like, kind of an indie drama. Okay. Indie dramedy, I guess. Yeah. It's not a great movie. It's, It's decent, 
Um, however, there are several parts of it that I was just like, why, why do we even, there's, there's one character in particular and he has this, uh, little storyline that he, that they follow him on. And I'm just, anytime they would cut back to his storyline, I was like, what is the purpose of this? (laughs) But, uh, going back to Kristen Stewart, I've only seen part of the first Twilight, and I saw a couple other things. Adventureland, obviously, we talked about that before. In fact, we talked about her before. Yeah, we've talked. We've talked. We've discussed her acting numerous times. Numerous times. Not not big fans of her. And she, I mean, she's done decent jobs in like Adventureland. I thought she was good in Panic Room and uh, Welcome to the Rileys. But I, I'm starting to think that maybe it's not really her. Maybe it's, it's the, the role. Yeah, it's the role she's getting. I think that she, a lot of the roles that she plays, she's not right for. Because when you see her in the Cake Eaters, putting aside the fact that she has the same disease that our friend has, she does a good job acting as well. And going back to how she, how she portrays the disease it's very accurate and not a lot of people probably realize that when they see the movie but no. it, it the way that she talks the way that she uh the, her posture and the way that she walks very similar like eerily so similar is this like how old is she in the movie like is this like early onset of yeah. the okay so she's 17 in the film so she can still walk and this is a uh, degenerative disease so it, it gets worse with time so this is like this would be the equivalent of like when ryan could still walk yeah. but just needed help like the the, the handlebars and stuff that yeah. type of deal okay. yeah like she can still walk uh but it's at the point where it's difficult getting difficult for her Okay. And I mean, I remember we've been friends with Ryan forever. And I remember when we were that age and him walking around and stuff. And it looks the exact same at, at the beginning of the movie. When we started watching it, I was like, Oh, I don't know about all this because they showed her getting like these medical treatments, like getting all these shots and stuff. And I looked at Ryan, and I was like, dude, should you be getting shots and stuff, like, on a regular basis and taking... Because she had to, like, take all this medication and stuff, and Ryan doesn't do any of that. So, like, does, does Ryan not do it because he chooses not to, or because it doesn't exist? No, I, I don't know. I was like, dude, maybe you should, like, take this movie into your doctor and show it to him. <laughs> But, uh, so at first I was like, uh, mm, I don't know. And she was kind of, um, like twitchy, like, like really shaking and twitchy. And that's not really, that's not really how Ryan acts. Now I also thought he does, he, well, he has, which I always call Pringles. Remember when he would eat Pringles and he has the large, it's more of like a large jerking motion. Right, but it's not it, really twitching. But when you see this movie uh, at the beginning, it almost looks as if she has MS, mm, and, okay. and this disease is it's different than MS. It's not the same. Yeah, and so she seems kind of more like shaky 
and okay. uh, that's a little different. But as the movie goes on, that she kind of doesn't do that as much anymore, mm-hmm. and it looks exactly as it looked with him. So, does like how far does she go into the disease? Like, is okay, it just so like early, early on, and then the movie's over, no, or does no, no. she go like into it? Into no, it? it's it's a big. And that's how I thought it was going to be, but it's actually a pretty big thing because she's pretty much the main character. So mm-hmm. it kind of goes through a lot of her life with it. And early on in the film, she meets this guy and he like helps her, um, helps walk her to, to a bathroom. And when she comes out, like they're walking together and she explains to him, what the the disease is and he goes oh is that why you kind of sound like you're drunk and i was just like whoa okay (laughs) definitely they definitely did their homework with this yeah and her speech is probably the craziest thing is when you hear her talk it's really good i mean very very impressed well the the weird thing is is because i was you know just reading about it a little bit here is some people that know people with Frederick Zetaxia say that she slurred her speech too much. Mm, probably. And like they were like, it was like over the top. But maybe the people that they know are like early onset. Well, see, that's the thing. When Ryan was that age, his speech yeah. was not that slurred. Her, the way that No, her his speech, speech was pretty fine. Yeah. The way that her speech is in the movie is like closer to how his speech is now. Like when you hear him on Ryan Watches a Movie... That's kind of how it is. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So it was like, yeah, she did. She did over ex- exaggerate the speech because when you're 17 and you have this disease, it's not that bad. But when you're yeah. 30, like Ryan, it it will be. Yeah. So, and it's it's a really really terrible disease, and I, I really wish that there was more awareness of it because I feel like nobody knows or seems to be doing anything about it no this is something that seems to be like like you said a lot of people don't know about this and i don't really hear that much about like research or anything yeah it is a very rare disease i think it's well at least when ryan got it, i'm pretty sure he said it was like one in a million yeah because i remember I forget what age he was, but remember that at one point he found someone else that had it, like mm-hmm. somewhat in the area, and he was like freaking out about it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so it's crazy. If you want to find out more, um, you can go to curefa.org. Is that correct? Yes, it's uh, Frederick's Ataxia Research Alliance, and they do a number of things. It, Looks like they have like some uh, some bicycle riding to raise awareness and money. Cool. Uh, we were actually going to have Ryan on the show today, but he was having internet problems. So hopefully we'll be able to talk about this a little bit when we do tomorrow's show on uh, Ryan Watches a Movie. So Yeah, good, because I think... It would probably sound better coming from him. Yes, because... Sort of disgusting. The whole time... Because I watched it with him, and the whole time we were just like, oh my god, like, holy shit, it's the same. (laughs) So, 
it's a female it's a female rhino on the screen uh you should probably also check it out yes i'd like to, I, get, I'd like to get your opinion on it too just yes to i am well i mean when you first said it you're like the cake eaters and i see like the cover for the movie i'm like Terrible. why the why the hell did you watch this and then you say frederick's the taxi and uh, I mean, automatically, I'm like, yes, I need to watch this movie. I need to see it. And, and let me just, before we move on, I just want to say that it isn't a bad movie. It's actually a pretty good movie. In addition to Kristen Stewart, there's also Bruce Dern, who plays uh, the father of the guy that Kristen Stewart starts dating. And it, it's actually a pretty good movie. So it is entertaining, as well as kind of informative about Ryan's disease. Mm. So, okay. definitely check that out. I will. Uh, the only other movie I wanted to mention that I saw this week was a film called Detention. This is a kind of a horror comedy, and it's directed by Joseph Kahn. Now he did bike uh, torque. I almost said Biker Boys. Same <laughs> difference. He did that pretty bad movie Torque back when there was the whole street racing thing happening and he also did uh, a bunch of music videos he did he does like a lot of videos for eminem and rihanna and mm. lots of big music videos and you can definitely see that in this movie i would describe this movie as sort of a scott pilgrim only like a horror version of scott pilgrim okay it's i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed this movie it was funny there was so many pop culture references. It was ridiculous. <laughs> movie references, music references. They even make fun of the movie Torque in the movie. <laughs> um, Josh Hutcherson stars in it, but he also he was also an executive producer on the film. And there's a bunch of others, not very well-known people in it. Uh, and then there's Dane Cook. <laughs> and then there's Dane. But I can tell you that, that Dane Cook's not in it a whole lot, and he doesn't do a bad job. He's not annoying or anything. He's He doesn't Dane Cook it up at all? No. Oh, okay. No. He plays a pretty straightforward role as the school's principal. Mm. It's got... I mean, it's just so over-the-top and ridiculous. It doesn't take itself seriously, and I think that that's a problem with a lot of horror movies and even horror comedies that try to take themselves too seriously. I mean, this movie is completely ridiculous in every way. And it's, it's a really frenzied film. It's always going at like a hundred miles an hour. There's just shit happening all the time. There's time traveling, time traveling bears, aliens, monsters, whoa, 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 serial whoa. killers, time traveling bears, Bears? Time-traveling bears. Awesome. Alien abductions. Um, the the whole time-traveling aspect of the film is actually really cool. And the way that it works, it's almost... They do it in a really cool way so that it's... You have to almost think about it or rewatch the film. And I did actually watch it twice. And on a rewatch, there was a ton of stuff that I picked up on that I didn't think about in the first one because i didn't know so it's i definitely recommend it i really enjoyed it and not just on 
like a horror spoof level, but it was just a fun movie. I think that even you would have fun with it. I am actually very interested. In, I mean, we talked about it a little bit the other day. And from now, also from what you're saying now, I definitely, I'm definitely interested. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it. It's, it's a cool movie. Let's talk about some Amazon deals. To get these incredible deals, just go to our site at filmpulse.net and either click on the Amazon banner and shop as you would normally, or click on the store link and check out some of our favorites and what we've been talking about on the show. First up, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Blu-ray, $7.99 on that. Oh, pick it up. Yes. Classic. I mean, that's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, I've seen that movie, I don't know how many, like 30 times times. probably. And anytime it's on TV, you just have to watch it. Yeah, you do. You just got to stick with it. Yeah, what was it? Comedy Central used to play that all summer long. Yep. Just a phenomenal movie. Then we have one for Ryan. This is Hunt for Red October. Yes. $7.99. I don't even remember, barely remember Hunt for Red October. I was never a big fan of the little submarine craze we had back in the 90s. Yeah, had like that and Crimson Tide, mm-hmm. that was a submarine one, right? And I, I feel like there was probably more. There was. Now we got archery. Yeah, now we have archery. Uh, the only one, other one I want to mention is The Usual Suspects for seven ninety nine on Blu Ray. Are you kidding me? Yep. So. Oh, that's a classic. That's a classic. Well. Absolute classic. If you don't own those on Blu Ray, now's your chance to pick them up. Mm. It's a good deal. Let's talk about The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, we'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think of The Dark Knight Rises? And before before we continue, I'll just say we're going to save any kind of spoilers till later. So let's just talk about what we thought of it. And then maybe if we have some spoilers to talk about, we can do that afterwards. Okay. Okay. So what uh, are your thoughts? My thoughts, uh, my thoughts are I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. There's a part of me that thinks that it's almost better than the second one, but or not almost better. I mean, it's almost as good as the second one. Uh, to me, the, the second one, The Dark Knight, was just perfection at every single level, whether it be editing, um, audio, everything. I thought it was perfect in the second one. Uh, this one, The Dark Knight Rises, was... I thought I enjoyed the story more, but I mean, there were some loop uh, plot holes that were a little tough to overcome, but as a whole, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I have a feeling that some people had their expectations up way too high. I mean, it, I knew going into it that it wasn't going to be better than The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. but I think some people were expecting it to be like blow The Dark Knight out of the water. Uh I didn't. Now, I, I, I think I, in general, I agree with you on all your points. I really liked it. And the more that it sits with me, the more I think I liked it. And I, I would like to rewatch it. I'd like to go see it again just to make sure, you know, um, to, to see anything that I missed or yeah. just to really take everything in because there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie. It's yeah. it's a big movie. It's huge. And I know that I did miss, like I actually missed parts at the beginning 
because I had to go to the bathroom, which was extremely unfortunate. I'm sitting there waiting. We get into the theater like a half an hour early. And I'm like, oh, don't have to go to the bathroom. As soon as the movie starts, I'm like, oh, damn it. It's always how it is. It is. And, and see, then, with a movie like that, you never know when to get up because essentially that movie plays out like basically a two hour and 45 minute montage. You know, yeah. it's there's so much happening and there's like some like really tiny scenes and yeah. then there's some like longer scenes. But the way that it's edited and shot, it's a, it's a lot faster. Yeah. And I, I also knew that, I mean... Christopher Nolan always starts off with crazy opening scene. It's usually the best scene in the entire movie is the opening, just how it's filmed, how it slowly unfolds. And I had to say that this movie was no exception. It was, I loved the opening scene that that was insane. Yeah, it was very good. Very solid. I did have some issues with the movie and for the most part they're pretty minor i thought that the action set pieces were fairly mediocre in comparison to the other batman the nolan batman movies and just action movies in general i thought that they were pretty basic action scenes nothing that simply blew me away yeah i thought that the fight scenes between Batman and Bane were kind of generic as well. I didn't like the look of the Batwing. I thought it was weird looking. And I didn't like that. But, I mean, these are all just minor quibbles. These are just yeah. things that I noticed. And I guess my question to you, Kevin, the way that I looked at it was... I felt that this film was a great companion piece to the other two. I thought that it was a great conclusion to the story. Now, if you look at The Dark Knight Rises by itself as a standalone film, just not including the other two, do you think it stands up better as a standalone film? Or do you think that it works better more as a companion piece, a conclusion to the trilogy? I think it works better as a companion piece. Because, I mean, I think you definitely have to see Batman Begins to fully understand The Dark Knight Rises, which I thought they did a really good job with that, tying everything together. Um, and like we talked about before, not while we were recording, but after we both saw the movie, it was, again, I wish I got to see, or I wish I had the foresight to watch Batman Begins and then go see The Dark Knight Rises. But, I mean, it actually did do a pretty good job because as I'm watching the movie and they're talking about things from Batman Begins, I was sitting there like, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, okay. But I I have a feeling, though, that I still miss some things. I think I got the overall scope of the entire trilogy, but I, I think that I missed some small things. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think that... And, and it's it's kind of... A double-edged sword. People are saying, oh, well, but you shouldn't judge this based off of The Dark Knight. And yet, when you see this movie, you have to. You have to take into account the other two films because it plays out like a big story. And the big part about 
uh, especially the conclusion of The Dark Knight Rises, is that it wraps the other two films together. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it includes elements of the first film, it includes elements of the second film, and it puts everything together into a really cohesive, nice package. And I think that you have to judge this based on the other two. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the ideal thing to do would be to judge all three movies as a whole. Yeah, I think th- I think that's the best way to do it. I think with Christopher Nolan, he really had that in mind with this whole, the whole Batman trilogy, is that he wanted to have them all be together. I mean, they were filmed at different times, but it seems like he took a lot of time and effort to have everything be together. Right. So I think you do have to look at it and sort of grade it that way. And you can even say that about the plots in each of the three movies, they all kind of have the same central theme to mm-hmm. them. And I think that, that that works really, really well. Yes. How he was able to to make this I mean, make three completely separate movies, yet they all have kind of the same general um, message. And I just thought that that worked really, really well. I agree. I agree. Like I said earlier, the the second film to me was perfect in just a, a film sense. Like, every single department was perfect. This movie... Like I said, the story was great. Um, I enjoyed uh, the cinematography. Uh, it was just... I know that I was really struck by the second one. of just the audio. The sound mixing. Everything sounded amazing. I just... And I've never really been struck by that in a movie. And that Actually, was like the first movie that made me go like, Holy shit, they, this sounds so damn real. I actually had some issues with the sound in this. Yeah, in, in this one, I didn't. I didn't have that. I never. I never really had any moment where I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, yeah. I had moments that were pretty great, but yeah. they had that same kind of um, the score, the same score playing almost the entire movie, and I also had some issues with Batman's voice. Well, yeah, of always. But I mean, if you do think about Batman, the only reason I never had a problem with Batman's voice is because if you sort of think about it logically, think about a very rich guy well, yeah, I mean, who decides to be a superhero and he has to mask his voice so people don't know about him, he's probably going to pick like an overtly, like, I'm such a hard ass. Yeah. You know and what I mean? I know that that's why they do it, but I just don't like I just, yeah, it is. He it sounds is tough. ridiculous to me. Yeah, it is and tough. I also had issues with Bane's voice. I think that that's something that a lot of people are criticizing. And I heard—I don't know if you remember—but in the first few trailers they came out with for the Dark Knight, it you was before they changed his voice. Yeah, you couldn't understand him. And I still had problems understanding some of the things he said in the movie. I feel like there were certain scenes where the music was playing and he was talking and there was, there was a couple scenes when even Batman was talking and the music was playing 
and I I had to like like look over at Ryan and be like, wait a minute, what did he say? Like that, that's why that's why I watch movies with subtitles, man. Every single movie subtitles. When you're in an IMAX, you shouldn't. I know have it's that issue. yeah yeah that's that's and and it's it's that is a sound mixing issue. Yeah. When I can't tell what somebody's saying, and I thought Bane's voice. I don't know how it would have sounded originally because you only in the trailer you only hear him say that one line or whatever. Yeah. But this one sounded really really strange to me. It didn't I, sound like Tom Hardy. No, it was it was odd, but at the same time I thought that added something to it because his voice number one doesn't it doesn't sound badass at all. It's a very no. odd very peculiar voice but it's a strange juxtaposition to what he is as a human being which is he's an like an animal like a beast the dude is huge Mm -hmm. and we talked about it this guy is tom hardy is ridiculous yeah go see warrior bronson he's ridiculous you can see how huge he is (laughs) And I read, I forget where I read, but it says that like he only gained 30 pounds for this movie. 30 pounds, that's it. We talked about it off the air, but I've noticed that in the film, they use a lot of upward angles in the film when they would show him to make him look even more gigantic, like as far as his height. Because I don't, I don't know how tall he is in real life, but I don't think he's like a super tall guy. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how tall he is. But he, but in the film, he did look like a freaking giant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just it blows my mind that people. Yeah. And we talked about it way, way early on other another episode. I think when we talked about when I talked about Warrior, he's just ridiculous. The the things I still don't know what those muscles are called because I didn't even know they existed. <laughs> the ones that like right at the base of your neck. Sounds like somebody might have a little man crush on Mr. Tom Hardy. No, I'm just I didn't know they existed. <laughs> uh, what the hell are they? I don't know. Hardy guys, muscles? I'm gonna call them hardy <laughs> muscles. <laughs> it's just it's ridiculous. Uh did how did you th- feel about Anne Hathaway I actually enjoyed Anne Hathaway uh, this is the first time where I actually enjoyed Catwoman I've never been a fan of Catwoman and Not I the Michelle or the no, uh, no. flavor no no all of them I mean I did have a little bit did a little bit of problem with the whole um, you know the the banter back and forth between her and Bruce Wayne and Batman Especially when they get in the Batwing. Ugh. Oh, God. Why did they have that in there? Yeah, there were a couple pretty cheesy lines that in it, but I agree. I thought that she did a really good job. In fact, I wanted to see more of that. I wanted to see her do more, like, maybe some more kind of stealing things, sneaking into places, just knocking dudes out, being a badass. Yeah. I would agree. I think I do agree with uh, uh, Nolan's statement that he thinks Catwoman should have her own uh, sort of spinoff. 
her own movie to, uh, I guess, right the uh, terrible wrong of Holly Berry. I think it Which be. we did earlier. Yeah. With Ryan. Yeah. Uh, you can listen to Ryan Watches a Movie 24 to hear his thoughts on Halle Berry's Catwoman. He did not like it. No, he did not. He did not like that one. Not at all. Um, yeah, overall, I thought that Catwoman was pretty cool. I was actually worried about that. It's one of the things I was worried about when seeing the trailers and reading about it and stuff. And I thought that it turned out really good. And I really liked Joseph Gordon-Levitt, as always. Yeah, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt was good. Yeah, he's he's won me over in the last couple of years. I was never really into him. And slowly and slowly, he's Not won me over. Rock from the Sun, are you kidding me? Oh, I hated that show. I thought he was great in it, but I like pretty much everything that he's in. Talk about Man Crush. Ooh. Man Crush is all man around. Man Crush on the uh, Joseph Gordon. Love it. Oh, okay. Okay. Except for maybe in G.I. Joe. He was in G.I. Joe? Yeah. Wow. Yep. He was in terrible, terrible decision. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, did you want to add anything else uh, before we went into spoilers? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Don't think so. Let's spoil the shit out of this movie. Okay. We're going to do spoilers now. So if you haven't seen the movie, please just fast forward. The time codes will be on the show notes. So make sure you look at that. Just to warn you, we are in a spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. Here we go. Really, the only thing... I don't think there's a lot to spoil with this movie except for the end. And... I thought that the end was awesome, but the bi- the big reveal, I guess, it was that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character's real name was Robin, and that uh, Bruce Wayne was sort of stepping down and handing the reins over to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. Yeah. And... I feel like the whole Robin thing was just fan service. And I, and I almost feel like it was something that was added into the movie after maybe after the script was originally written because it felt like Bruce Wayne was going to make, was going to retire and like keep the Batman mantle going by having Joseph Gordon-Levitt be Batman. And then I feel like they were like, Oh, we should add the Robin thing in, you know? Yeah. I just I didn't like the way that they did it. I just yeah. I would I wish they would have just did it more like a, a more subtle way that you really had to sort of figure it out on your own. Just like a short glimpse at him like handing over his ID or something instead of just the woman going, "You should use your full name, Robin." It's like, are you serious? You got to just like spell it out for me. Well, see, that's the other thing that I think it must have been added later because. Up until this point, although none of the Nolan Batman movies follow the the comic books to to a T, the broad strokes are still pretty much the same. And none of the, he didn't he never changed any of the people's names. And I can't even remember Joseph Gordon Levitt's character's name. But I think it was John Blake. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's a Tim Drake that was Robin. There's Dick Grayson. Yeah, but 
you would think that if they planned on having him be Robin, they wouldn't have named him Robin. They would have given him the name of that character. Yeah. So, I, I, like, I feel like maybe they just, at the very end, they just decided, like, people are going to love this. Let's just do this. And they just added that one, because it's really the, only that one scene. Yeah. With the woman saying, oh, you should be Robin. Like, that felt tacked on to me. And I also, I didn't feel like we needed it. Because if we're supposed to feel like he's going to be Robin, then where's Batman? Because you can't, let's be real, Kevin. You can't have Robin without a Batman. No. So. No. I thought that that was, I mean, it was, again, minor quibble. I think Um, none of it even matters because the trilogy's ended anyway. Yeah. Uh, the only big quibble that I have, which I don't know if you can say big quibble. I think quibble implies small, but never mind that. But the big thing that I had a problem with was Batman being in the prison. He's got a broken back, so much so that a vertebrae is sticking out. And a guy has to like punch it in. And yet he can recover from that climb out of that pit and make it the whole way back to Gotham. Yeah. When all the bridges are shut down, they're they're all exploded. And he has no money. How the hell did he get back in? That's what I was wondering. When he just shows up, I was like, yeah, wait a just, minute. He just pops up. I mean, he and is it, Batman, though. So. Yeah, but it wasn't even... Like, I can't remember the exact amount of time that he was in the pit compared to when they were going to detonate the bomb. But wasn't it only like a month and a half or two months or something like that? It wasn't It wasn't that long, but I'm a little unclear. And it might. I might have to rewatch it, but I don't know if they hinted at how long he was in there for. I think they did, because when he's watching the TV, I think it had like a countdown. Yeah, I was trying to... 81 days to go or something. And I'm like, you cannot recuperate from a broken back like that. Number one, I don't think that guy would even be able to walk anymore. No, maybe it wasn't broken. I mean, they never said it was broken. Maybe Maybe he just like... Maybe he Bane just like snapped his spine out of alignment or something. Yeah, or, or maybe he like because they said that he popped that vertebrae. Maybe that's what happened. One of yeah. his vertebrae got, um, you know, yeah. out of whack. Yeah, because in, in and that's essentially broken back. I mean, if ask anyone that's had ever had like a disc slip or something like that, you don't just recover in like a month. And just like doing push-ups like crazy and making ridiculous jumps without ropes. Maybe um, because like, those people aren't Batman. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but then again, I mean, for me, it's a superhero movie. This is a superhero, okay? So like most of that stuff goes out the window with me. I just sort of think about it after the fact where I'm like, man, that's ridiculous. There's no way that would happen. Yeah, but, but I mean, I, but was, I count that out. I I didn't really have a problem with it. Yes, I thought about it, but I didn't have a problem with it because there's like, 
you could probably say like, well, we don't know the extent of the injury and, and all this stuff because he was still able to walk. Yeah. You know? Like if they I mean, really snapped his back, he'd be completely paralyzed. And I think that's what happened in the comic book. Bane broke his back and I think he ended up being like paralyzed or something for a while there. Yeah, which I am happy. You should have seen the look on my face when that scene happened. Hmm. When he, like, as soon as he picked him up, I was oh, like, me oh, sh-. I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, yeah. oh, shit. And, and it, they did snaps. it. The, oh. They did it the exact same way, too. Yeah, over the it beat. was, it was amazing. I was so unbelievably happy, which is sort of terrible. But at the same time, it's just like, yes. Well, I, I like, I like it that, that Nolan kind of, just picks and chooses the things that he likes about the Batman story. And he doesn't stick with, cause a lot of people say like, Oh, well this was like Frank Miller's Batman and stuff, but he really just kind of cherry picks elements yeah. that he likes from the story. And I really like that. I mean, he, from the beginning, he said that this was going to be his own spin on it. And he puts enough things in there from the comic books that will keep fans happy for the most part. Yeah. Although I will say that I think that diehard Batman fans are kind of pissed at this movie. No, oh, I'm sure they are, but that's you know, the, num- that's the number one thing. I, I, I'm in the sect that thinks that movies should not be completely based on the original source material, whether it be a comic or a novel or whatever it is. It should just be inspired by it. Right. Loose adaptation. I mean, if you want a, the to the T, the same exact thing, just read the book again or read the comic again. Just yep. imagine it in your head. Yep. Well, I think, uh, did you have any other spoilers? Well, I have some other things to say regarding the, the whole comic book versus movie thing, but uh, I can do that outside of the spoilers. I'm trying to think of any other spoilers. I don't think so. I don't think I have any more. Okay. And we're back. There was a couple other things that I wanted to say just regarding the whole comic book versus movie thing. And and I don't I'm a huge Batman fan. Big, big Batman fan. And I didn't have any kind of issues with it being different. I mean, you look at The Walking Dead. Walking Dead is a phenomenally successful comic book and a phenomenally successful TV show. The TV show does not mirror the comic book. It's different. And that is a shining example of, I don't want it to be the same, because the the comic book just had its 100th issue this past month. So if if everything's the exact same, there's nothing to surprise me. There's nothing new. And when you look at comic books especially superhero books, they get reinvented all the time. Yeah, because you... Alternate stories, alternate universes. And I think especially with, you know, superheroes like Batman, Superman, any of these, or like Spider-Man, any of these superheroes that have been around for a long time, they have to change with the times. I mean, if we're still doing Batman like it was back in like the 60s, We'd all be sitting around going like, are you kidding me? Is this a joke? (laughs) Really? Like, pal? Because I am. Like, this is ridiculous. 
So, I mean, you have to change it with the times, but I also like to see other people's interpretations mm-hmm. of the character. I don't want to just see the same thing over and over again. What what fun is that? As long as the fundamentals are there, you know, there's like there's certain things that simply have to be the way they are. Yeah, like the the integrity of the character. Like if someone came out, like say they reboot Batman in like five years, or the way Hollywood works, probably like the end of like September, and they make him from like outer space or something, then I would be like, whoa, what the hell? What are you doing? Right, because Bruce Wayne's parents need to be dead. They need to have been killed because that's what makes him who he is. It's the same with Spider-Man. Uncle Ben needs to have been killed by somebody that, that Peter Parker could have stopped. And that's just how it has to be because that's how that's, that, that character was crafted. Yeah, that's what drives them. And anything else is extraneous. So really, the character and what makes the character that character, I believe, needs to be a constant through yeah. any story. And the only thing, other thing for me that would be for Batman is one of the main reasons that I like him the most is because he's just a guy. Oh yeah, well they're I don't think he doesn't they, have, they yeah. would never do that. Well that's what we, I yeah. mean, you never know. Some but some guy might get that crazy thought in his head. Let's make him from outer space. <laughs> let's uh let's make Batman like an actual mutant bat that has yeah. wings. He was bitten by a mutant bat. Yeah, they would that's another thing that they can never they can never change that. Yeah. But who knows? I mean, where did you did you see they're currently running the Before Watchmen series where they're yeah. doing all these Watchmen prequels and people are just losing their shit over these saying that they should not exist and that's ruining, you know, probably the greatest comic book series ever made. Oh, God. Yeah, they're really but apparently, I mean, I haven't read any of them yet. But apparently a few of them are pretty good. Mm. So I don't think that they are tarnishing the Watchmen name. But at the same time, I doubt they're adding anything to it. Yeah. So any final thoughts on The Dark Knight Rises? Huh. Oh, real quick. Score out of 10. What do you think? Out of 10. I would give it uh, eight and a half. Oh, eight and a half. Okay. Eight and a half. My original thoughts when I left the film, seven. Uh, Since I had some time to let the movie sink in, seven and a half. Now, I do have to say, I think I will probably, you know, once this comes out, you know, I'll probably do like all three in a row. You know, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. I do plan on seeing it again, and... After I see it again, that seven and a half may be bumped up. I just need to, I need to revisit it and go into it already knowing what I'm going to be in for. That way I can eliminate any kind of expectations I had that may have, you know, affected how I felt about the film. Yeah. 
But regardless, it's a great movie. I'm sure that if you're listening to this, you probably already saw it. I think everybody's already seen it by this point. Yeah. So there you have it. That is uh, two solid recommendations for The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand people that hated it. I don't understand how you can hate this movie. I mean, even if you didn't dislike it, it's still a technically sound movie. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, even the fanboys, I don't think, have any reason to bitch because I am a fanboy. I love comic books. And this is a great movie. Period. Yeah. So, all you fanboys that hate on this movie, go fuck yourself. Because it's good. But at the same time, (laughs) at the same time, I I think that you can look at it on the other side of the coin where there's some people that already had it in their head that this movie is perfection before going into it. And even, even though I will say that there are problems with this movie... And there's some people that just will not see that. They have the blinders on. Yeah. I think that, you know, there are certainly some movies that do that for me, like Wes Anderson, where I just can't see any flaws in those movies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But... does happen. You just got to do your best to go in with an open mind, not feeling one way or the other, and, you know... Just analyze the movie for what it is. Okay, let's go over our predictions. Uh, we only made one for last week, and that was The Dark Knight Rises. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Only that was, one. That was it. Uh, I said 95, you said 96, actual 86. Wow. Yeah, Told you there's going to be those people. Of course. Yeah, there's. I think there was a lot more of those people. Yeah. Than what we anticipated. Yeah, because they got their expectations up way too high. Yep, yep. And we could have seen that coming. Yeah. Let's go over what's coming out this week. We have Killer Joe. This is Ooh, the, finally. Yeah, well. Yeah, we're not going to see it. Not like it's going to be in any main theater. <laughs> no. It's rated NC-17. This is the one with Emil Hirsch and Matthew McConaughey and Gina Gershon. Who else am I missing? There's a bunch of other people in it. Uh, oh, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, right? Yeah. Uh, Juno Temple? Yes, Juno Temple is in it. Yeah, she plays the sister. This is uh, directed by William Freakin, who did The Exorcist, among many others. What was his? Oh, Bug, I think was his last one. Yeah, which I think was also based on a Tracy Letts play. Yes, I think you're right. This looks awesome. I've been hearing nothing but great things about this. I'm going to say, but at the same time, I think that the graphic nature of the film will turn off some critics. Yeah. So, I'm going to say... Something involves fried chicken. That's what I heard. Yep. And Gina Gershon and fried chicken. Yep. Sexual nature. Fried chicken. I'll be curious to see that. Sounds, (laughs) Sounds pretty terrible. I'm going to say like 76 on this one. Okay. I was going to go like a 71. Okay. Then we have The Watch, the new Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill, Richard. 
I always get like Iode. I always say Iode. Iode. I, I don't know. I have no idea though. I've never heard anyone say it, which is my fault because I'm sure that it's all over the internet. Probably. And I could easily look it up and be like, that's exactly how you pronounce his name. But I refuse to. So. Uh, either way, very talented guy. I'm hoping to see him in more um, roles in America. And I think yes. that this, hopefully this movie will help perpetuate that. Yes. Um, I agree. I don't know. What do you think on the watch? Uh, I have really high hopes for this movie. It looks hilarious. I'm going to go like a 77. Ooh. I'm going to go lower. I'm going to say 65. Mm, okay. Going lower. I, I have very... I don't... Comedies are, comedies are always tough. Because yeah. everyone has a very specific sense of humor. And it's tough, It's really tough to get like a broad stroke and catch everyone. And make everyone laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with that. I think it looks funny. I mean, I think it's going to be really funny. Unless it's one of those deals where they put everything that's really funny in the trailer. Yeah, I'm worried about that. I'm very but worried I, about that. I mean, it's, I mean, it's written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. And they're pretty funny dudes. And you got Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill, Richie Ayoudeh. Should be pretty funny. Notice I didn't mention Ben Stiller because most of the time he's not funny. Are you kidding me? Night at the Museum 2? Nope. <laughs> Smile. Notice how I put the two on the end of Night at the Museum. Nope. Then we have Step Up Revolution. Really? Yeah. Step Up Revolution. How say, many Step Up movies are there? I think this is the fourth. No. This is the fifth. Oh, fourth really? was Step Up 4, Miami Heat. What? Yeah. I, I don't even... Oh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. That one's called... Underneath of it, it says Step Up Revolution. So, oh, so I guess that's so another name for one. it. It's another name for it, I guess. I was going to say, I, I was not aware of that. Because my girlfriend's pretty into dancing, so... Dance movies. So, oh, so, okay, so this is the one that Channing Tatum started with. Yes, okay. Step Up was the one that yeah he was in. He had a little cameo in the second one, too. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. You like how I know that? I do. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say 23. Uh, I have no idea how to Well, you could probably you could probably look at the other ones. I mean, I don't know what the others got, but I'm sure that they were terrible. I'm going to say What do you say 23? Yeah. I'm going to go 20. Probably a good choice. Probably a good choice. 20. And then finally, I don't think that this is going to get wide release, but Ruby Sparks. I'm not sure if you've seen anything about this. I've seen it, but I haven't seen the trailer, though. For some reason, I'm not interested at all in this movie, even though... Absolutely not. I like the directors, but for some reason, I could care less. I could also care less. We've seen it before. It's about a writer who brings his character to life. Like, literally to life. Get out. Yeah. We've seen this before. I'm going to say, like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You start with this one. Uh, I'm going to go with a 
50, 51. Mm, I'll say 60. Okay. I, I don't know. It looks, it doesn't look great to me. And yes, I'm sure it won't I, yeah, it should be. They're, they're the directors of Little Miss Sunshine, which was great, but this, yeah. The kid from Little Miss Sunshine is the main character. Paul Dano. Paul Dano, yeah. Does he play essentially the same character that he always plays? Troubled writer? I guess. Something like that. Troubled person? Mm-hmm. I think he, in, in this one, he looks kind of more neurotic, maybe. Okay. I mean, he's certainly more talkative in this one than in Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> There's a good number of people in this, though. Steve Coogan, Antonio Banderas, Annette Benning, Ellie Shawcat. Still have no desire. No desire. <laughs> Me either. <clears throat> Unless someone changes my mind. Yep. Well, I think that does it for another show. For all the latest film news and reviews, you can hit us up at filmpulse.net. And we want to hear your feedback. Send us an email at feedback at filmpulse.net or call our voicemail line at 850-391-6071. Also, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that greatly. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Wednesday for Ryan Watches a Movie.